2: welcome back to the guys and ties podcast this is dustin i'm here with rob i got rob on the phone and it's been too long probably um this probably my fault but rob how are you doing what's been up in your life how's your ankle people are dying to know
0: very good man yeah you know it's been well a little over a month i'm looking at Mm -hmm. it right now um yeah, dude, just enjoying the summer. Ankle is coming along slowly but surely, so not a hundred percent. I was telling you, dude, I'm all in for week one. It's like it's got a little RG three vibe, too, yeah, dude. You know, like as long as I can make it to the stadium week one, that that's the goal we're working towards.
2: Perfect, perfect. That's all we can ask for. Um, well, good. So, and I've been um kind of everywhere. I was in Omaha for a little bit, which which we'll talk about later, and then. I took some vacation time because, um, it's summer break for me. And, you know, as a teacher, I'm not working right now, but also, uh, my fiance CJ has, uh, had some time, like a, a week off, one week off this whole summer in med school. So we, we took some vacation, but we are back. I just actually had my wedding tasting, which I was telling Rob about. So I'm actually in Charlottesville right now, which is fun. And we are, but you know, there's, I was telling you before this but there's been like it feels like there's a lot that we could talk about but also there's not a ton of like uva specific stuff so i think we're going to do kind of a mixed bag today to kind of catch up from the month that we took off so so let's jump right into it you want to start talking about um the omahos and the college world series
0: yeah let's definitely do that man and you know you're you're the resident expert here since, like you said, you actually were in Omaha, which
2: yeah. I'm super jealous of. It was um really fun, and I want to talk about my experience there. But before we do that, I do want to talk about our sponsor from Spotify, Green Room. Uh, Spotify Green Room is live audio only sports talk platform. It is free to download and free to use. You can talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders. ...in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. You can also start ongoing conversations, join ongoing conversations with other fans, with athletes, and react to the biggest news and rumors. All you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app for free in the iOS or Android app store. All you need to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join whatever group you want all right. Make sure to follow and download Spotify Green Room for all your sports talk needs. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, breechies eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UBA right in the neck. wear suits to games. (laughs) That's absurd. So yeah, I was in Omaha and I was there. So I was only there for the first two games. And that wasn't because we lost the second game. It was because I had to, I actually planned that ahead of time. I could only stay for the first two games because I actually was going on another vacation. But then UVA made the calls World Series and I was like, well, I'd like to go for just a little bit anyway. So it was really an interesting time because in Omaha, there's not a lot else to do if you can imagine that. There is stakes and then there is baseball. And actually, the other fun thing was that the swimming trials were happening right across the street from the baseball field. So it was like there was a lot of swimming people there, and then there was, like, a lot of baseball people there. And so it was a really interesting mix of, like, sports fans and athletes and a lot of people. It was kind of like, you know, if you remember the feeling from Minneapolis, like, for the Final Four, it was kind of like that. But, like, on a smaller scale, maybe, because there wasn't as many, like, you know— probably personalities or celebrities just kind of walking around.
0: Yeah, dude, I mean, that was my first question to you was, you know, what's it like? How's it compared to Minneapolis? You know, obviously Minneapolis, like, you know, college basketball is kind of a bigger stage than baseball, but, um, dude, I can imagine, and I'm sure it's awesome. And like you said, like, that's part of the reason I love Minneapolis as the site for it is because like, you know, you weren't in New York with like, you know, everything in the world going on around you, like mm-hmm. everything in Minneapolis was final four that weekend. Oh yeah. It was
2: awesome. Yeah. And, and you know, Omaha's got the same vibe during the college world series. Cause like all eight teams there and all their fans were there and, you know, we're just intermingling with everyone. Everyone's really happy to be there. It's not like, you know, a lot of times, like if you go to an away sports game, there's kind of this tension between you and other fans, especially if you're wearing like, you know, other gear or like UVA stuff or you know it's it's even worse in a for for a professional sport like i know if you go if you wear washington football team stuff somewhere else like you're going to get talked to in a not nice way probably but that's like not the case at all and it's similar to the final four you know the everyone for the, that was in omaha for the college Sports series was just super like nice and happy and and excited to be there and you know it was a good time it was really chill and you know baseball games are just long and fun and i had a really good time so i i'd love to go back eventually and you know stay longer next time but uh but yeah so uva of course lose or wins game one against tennessee loses second game against mississippi state and then um we go on to to lose in the losers bracket as well um rob how much of the games did you watch
0: you know, I actually watched a good deal of it because, um, well, I mean, obviously because <laughs> I like UVA, um, but, you know, this is coming from a guy who normally doesn't watch much baseball. And, you know, I remember the 2015 run um, when we won the championship. I actually didn't get to see hardly any of that run because I was studying abroad at the time. So I was in Spain and, you know, most of the games on Spanish time were starting so late. Like I just wasn't able to watch it. So yeah this was actually a lot of fun for me to like watch this run, you know, especially working from home too, you know, like you have games going on at like one o'clock on a Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And then obviously it gets a bit more prime time once you get to the college world series, but it was a fun run to watch dude. And, you know, having, um, Steven shock was awesome. Like definitely, definitely gravitated towards him (laughs) really quickly. Um, so yeah, dude, it was a fun, it was a fun thing to watch. Um, I mean, I know you watched a lot of it too, and then obviously going to World Series was, I'm
2: sure, amazing. I think, I think, like one thing that was really fun was how how the well the team played super well when they hadn't for most of the season. You know, NC State and UVA both coming out of the ACC, and really neither of us played well to start the year. UVA wins, I think, five of their last six ACC, um, uh, not matches, but uh, the. Series, series, yeah, that's right, series, and and so that that I mean, it's so fun to watch. And then, of course, once they get to the tournament, they lose the first game of the regional, and they lose the first game of the super regional. So they're in the loser bracket uh, for both of those games and need to fight their way out. So they win, I think, five or six elimination games in a row, which is pretty amazing. Because any one of those games if they lose, they you know, they don't make it our our hitters stepped up, our pitching stepped up in a big way and of course the regional and super regional. And and then of course against Tennessee in that first game was uh just incredible the way that we pitched and the way that we hit. And of course for the first eight innings of the Mississippi State game, uh those two were, you know, really great um great performances all around. So it was a really fun experience. I'm glad that the that the athletes got a chance to you know, do one last run. And you mentioned Steven Shock earlier, and even though he, he didn't play well in his last outing against Mississippi State, he did have kind of that rise to fame during the regionals with the whole, you know, dip and dots thing and, you know, I'm afraid what are you afraid of? Caves, you know, whole scenario. <laughs> he's he's just a he's a lightning rod. But I think it's ironic that the N I L bill comes out you know, kind of a month after he becomes famous for that. Because imagine if that was there, if the nil bill was around, and Stephen Shock is able to sign a deal with Dippin' Dots for you know twenty thousand bucks, you know, and you know promote them. I I I just think it's it's too bad that they missed out on just a little bit.
0: <laughs> I totally feel that, and you know, to fairness where fairness is due, I'm pretty sure he was playing with a uh injured ucl mm-hmm. in the game against mississippi state so yeah. he comes in and you know it was just kind of like a collapse I, what it was the eighth inning i think yeah. um which was a shame it's a shame to kind of see the run end you know i, I lose to texas two days later but it was yeah. a shame to kind of see that as kind of the tipping point but um dude i mean you're absolutely right and you know i don't know if he's cashing in on any of it now i know he's very active on twitter i don't know if he's always been active on twitter i'm just paying attention now um but yeah dude i mean definitely and i mean that that post-game interview was awesome yeah i mean that was like for anyone who doesn't really follow baseball that closely you know i'll throw myself in that bucket Uh um dude i mean that interview
2: got me on board that interview got me like all right well i gotta watch this game got you watching yeah the team yeah that's funny yeah so i mean he i mean he did a great job of reeling people in and getting people interested in his story. And so, but, you know, I I do want to talk about the NIL bill for a little bit now that we've already kind of started down that path. Uh, for those who don't know, the NIL bill is for student athletes to who are now able to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. That's what the NIL stands for. And uh, so student-athletes student, student athletes all over the country have begun to sign deals with major brands. They have begun to hire agents. They are um, they're doing ads. Like, a lot of the basketball team is sponsored by Phony Bennett now. Like, I guess Phony Bennett just pays them money. And, you know, they have it in their Twitter bio. Um, I'm trying to think of some other UVA athletes that have, you know, cashed in already. But I think, Rob, what are your initial thoughts to the NIL bill and what student athletes have been able to do so far.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, first off, I think it's been a long time coming. I mean, I think mm-hmm. this is the idea of empowering athletes through name, image and likeness. Uh, I mean, to me is a no brainer and I mean, even, you know, I rose all the way up to the Supreme court and the Supreme court was like, yeah, of course they should be able to do this. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> like, why are we even here in this case? Um, so you know i think it was a long time coming and i think it's great for the athletes mm. um you know as as far as the deals go i think there's going to be an evolution of this um you know and it's really unique too because you know in col like college this is so new and you know so many of these opportunities that people have and um you know professional sports obviously there's individual endorsement deals but there's also you know broader collective bargaining agreements to help represent the players as well in certain things you know for example like to me the first thing that comes to mind is the ncaa football game Mm -hmm. you know on the surface they have to negotiate with every player to get each player in the game individually while if you go to like madden or um 2k or anything like that that's all done through a collective bargaining agreement with the players so anyway not to get too far into the details but you know it's this is something that's going to evolve and i think the star of the show was really derek king you know derek king had a lot of things lined up you know came up with 10 um you know like as soon as the clock struck midnight when Mm it went into effect you know the basketball players as you alluded to have some deals going Uh, I'm not sure how big those are, but, you know, I think this is something that's going to evolve and we're going to see kind of how this plays out, how athletes react to it. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's a very good thing for these athletes because, you know, there's no reason a normal college student couldn't do this anyway, but only athletes were precluded and now the athletes get the same
2: rights as they should. Exactly, And, you know, so I think there's just a lot of like good that can come from it. There's a lot of benefits to these athletes who, you know at a time where they don't make money i mean they they i mean they're compensated technically like you know if you want to make the argument they get paid or they used to get paid through education through you know gear through perks at the school but now they can actually make money off of their like likeness and image and this this goes back years and years of student athletes who have, you know, done things on the side, like they've, they've run businesses that have been shut down by the NCAA. They've run you like YouTube channels by athletes used to be shut down by the NCAA. If, if it was run by a student athlete, which is really too bad because in all honesty, there's no reason why a student athlete shouldn't be able to do things in their own time and be able to make money from it. And I think that this has been, as you said, a long time coming. And I think that, you know, Rob, are there any downsides that you see to the NIL bill or players using name image and likeness?
0: You know, first off, my answer is no. I don't think there's any downside. I will say the downsides that people talk about or think about is how does it affect level of competition and Mm -hmm. how does it you know affect players on the recruiting trail um you know technically as part of the nil there is not supposed to be any pay for play yeah which that means you know i'm gonna pay you a hundred dollars for every touchdown you catch you know like there's technically not supposed to be anything like that um but we probably both know that'll come out and that'll probably happen and you know honestly it already happens there's a Mm. lot of uh you know under the table stuff that happens in big time college athletics and i think that's really the main point here is you know yeah like some schools are going to be better positioned to get endorsement deals for their players yeah um you know that's part of it already but you know talking about competitive and balance i mean i think you already see that in the sport i mean you know looking at basketball you know it's you know the blue bloods, and then you might get a team that rises up here and there, but it's, it's pretty consistent mix of who the top teams are year after year. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to talk football, you know, it's Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama, and every few years maybe an Oklahoma will pop their heads in, or an yeah. LSU will pop their heads in. But the imbalance is already there. Yeah. So all of this exists through you know superior facilities, superior uh, strength coaches, athlete experience, you know, however you want to say it. So um, I think that's what a lot of people are scared of, is, you know, is this going to create an atmosphere that's going to tilt the scales too far in favor of one of these, like, powerhouse schools? And I think the simple answer is that scale is already tilted, and this, yeah. you know, is basically just empowering the players. I don't think it's changing any competitive balance issues. I mean, you can look what at...
2: Do you see any downsides? Oh, for, I mean, exactly what you said. I think that there's this fear that this could happen. And that was the main argument for people who didn't want this to happen. You know, big higher ups in the NCAA who who were who didn't want to lose power over these student athletes. But, you know, if you if you look at it, like take, for example, the after the NCAA tournament when like, you know, what was it? 1,200 players transferred in men's basketball or something like that. You know, they got that, that one-time free transfer rule, which, um, which I think is staying actually, you know, if you, you, without penalty players can transfer once and they don't have to sit out. So, but it was a lot of players going to, from small schools to big schools. And, you know, sometimes the rich got richer, you know, Kansas, Kentucky, uh, both got some great transfers from smaller schools. We got some, we've gotten transfers from smaller schools as well. This helps our program too. So I don't think anything changes with this new bill. What I do think changes is that actually a huge benefit could be that people stay longer or that players who might leave to go pro earlier might stay. So we might see players, you know, Trey Murphy, uh, recently has de- declared that he is going to stay in the NBA draft. He's not coming back to UVA for his uh, final season or final two seasons. It could have been. But if the NIL bill is around, uh, you know, maybe that's a different story. And, of course, that it all depends on his draft stock. And his stock is really high. He might jump into the lottery at some point. But, you know, for players who are thinking about staying or going pro – we might see a lot more players who are borderline stay, make some money, which is really what it's about, you know, supporting their family is being able to do what they want and still play college basketball or, you know, football or whatever their sport is and get a, a good deal out of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to kind of kind of continue that conversation, another variable that comes into that is, you know, how much money is available? You know, yeah. how much money are these guys really making? You know, as because Derek King, as we alluded to the Miami quarterback, um, you know, he was really the star of, you know, the show. Like right. he he was the one that cashed in on lots of deals, you mm-hmm. know, in the clock struck midnight. And, you know, I think it was twenty thirty thousand dollars. I'm not sure if he's made more than that since then, but that was about where it played out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you know, not to downplay that amount of money. Because, you know, that's a significant amount of money to anybody. Um, But, you know, I think that was part of the fear is, you know, these guys are, you know, just going to be making millions and millions of dollars. And, you know, it's really not going to be the case. You know, I think we're going to have to see how the market plays it out because ultimately it is going to be a market-based thing. And, you know, you have to consider who's, you know, putting in the money, who's Mm -hmm. allowing these players profit, um, you know, off these main image, and likeness deals. You know, is this going to be a five hundred dollar come in my car dealership ad or is this going to be you know a deer at king somewhere in the middle of course there's the potential for huge spikes for a player like zion williamson maybe nike hops in early with him and he's making millions of dollars while in school there's of course those exceptions but you know we also have to kind of take into consideration that you know the market really hasn't spoken fully yet about what these deals are going to look like and i think that's going to be one of the big things we find out is you know Where's the money coming from? Is it coming from, you know, local businesses? Is it coming from, you know, larger brands like Nike, Gatorade for the really, really top athletes? Um, You know, we just don't know yet. So that'll certainly be a variable that plays in there. Um, But I think one of the big things that we haven't said yet is I think this really benefits um, the non-revenue athletes Mm -hmm. um, and in particular, a lot of the women's athletes as well, just because they don't get necessarily the TV coverage and, you know, they could be amazing at their sports. You know, Virginia has had so many swimmers and tennis players and, you know, golf players and what have you that have been amazing, you know, top of college athletics, but, you know, they're never on TV and people might know who they are within their specific circles, but, you know, really don't get broad recognition. So this gives extremely talented athletes that, you know, are kind of in that bucket a chance to, you know, really profit off of, their
2: work, yeah, I and I agree with that, especially what you said about women's athletes. I I read somewhere this was a long time ago, but um, but that women's athletes, women's college athletes, are actually way more marketable than men's athletes, especially if you look at like, um, let's just uh, one example is Instagram. You know, Instagram is a huge place for influencers, people who are marketing products. Um, college athletes are able to have a huge following on Instagram. So, you know, you can get paid for a post based on how many followers you have. And if you are, you know, if you're playing women's soccer, for example, you can get paid just for having a lot of influence on Instagram, um, which I think is huge. And it's great for, you know, players on non-revenue sports teams that are now able to, make some money in a sport doing doing a sport that they love. You know, a lot of the players from those non-revenue sports don't go on to play professionally. And even if they do play professionally, it's not like, you know, football or NBA or even WNBA. Like a lot of them, I'm I'm sure the pay is not great. Right. So if you can make some money while you're in college and getting a degree. That's a huge that's huge for, you know for those people.
0: Yeah. I mean, couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, and I think a big distinction here too, we also have to throw in is, you know, this is name, image, and likeness. These are players. This gives the players the ability to, you know, profit in the free market Mm -hmm. based off of their name, image, and likeness. Like it says, um, this is not schools paying a salary to players. Yeah. And I think that's a big difference. And I think, some people, I think a lot of people, at least that I've read on Twitter and message boards, um, kind of understand the nuance there, mm-hmm. but you know, I think there are still, um, that is still a difference that, you know, sometimes needs to be said is, you know, the schools are not paying these athletes. This is giving the athletes the ability to profit off of their name, and image, and It's just like any other student gets mm-hmm. to be able to, before it was only withheld from athletes. Right. So I think this makes all the sense in the world and, um. You know, like we said, I think it's a long time coming.
2: I think so too. I agree. Rob, any last word on nil or 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 uh, what else do we talk about? Cultural Series, I guess, before we move on to football talk.
0: No, I mean, I the one thing I would add with the nil is I'm curious. You know, from a UVA perspective, I'm very mm-hmm. curious how this plays out. You know what what if i'm sure there will be some small businesses that you know get in with the athletes you know i don't know if uva has any players on basketball or football right now that will generate you know a deal from kind of a big you know nationwide type company mm. or international company i don't know if we'll see that but maybe someday we will uh, but i'm curious how this will play out and you know uva formally has not released any guidance um you know, as far as how they plan to help the athletes approach it. I'm sure that'll come, and some schools have released that already. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, it'll be interesting to follow.
2: Yeah, and I, I am excited to follow it and see what what's going to happen. You know, I, there's not a lot of people who know what, you know, is going to happen and how it's going to play out and, you know, everything like that. So, I I think I'm interested to see, you know, what – what goes on this year especially across like all these different sports i mean you're looking at college football king king of king of sports how are those players going to be affected how are college basketball players going to be affected how are you know even lacrosse play like you know we won the national title in lacrosse and you know women's swimming and diving Would those players get a bump in in their their value i i think that's really interesting to look at and, and what other rules come from either schools or the NCAA itself about name and image and likeness and how that affects players and, and what they get paid and everything like that. So um, I'm really excited for that. And, but before we get into football, I do want to talk about our sponsor from Spotify Green Room. So Spotify Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. It is free to download and free to use. You can talk to players, athletes, me, Rob, other people who use the platform. You can join ongoing conversations, start your own conversation, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. It is easy to talk to other sports fans this way. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app, which is free in the iOS or Android app store. You create a profile, link your Twitter, and join whatever group you want. If there's a UVA group or if there's a you know a player or someone else you want to follow, you follow them. Make sure to download the Spotify Green Room app today. figure lending LLC DBA figure equal opportunity lender
0: NMLS 1717824 terms and conditions apply visit figure.com for more information for licensing information go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org
2: all right Rob so it's time for football football is right around the corner less than a month I think until I know until NFL comes back uh, I'm excited for for everything with that I'm excited to see who's on hard knocks this year but let's talk about college football let's talk about UVA football. Uh, We're going into year six of the Bronco-Mendenhall era, and I think you wanted to just talk about our feelings with, with how it's going. So <laughs> why don't you start off going into year six? How are you feeling about Bronco? What are your expectations? Uh, What is going on in your head?
0: Yeah, man, absolutely. And, you know, caveat all this with – you know, we will do more detailed <laughs> previews of the football season. Yeah. Uh, we'll get there. But, you know, we're middle of July not right now. Training camp hasn't started. And, you know, it felt like a good time to just kind of kick back and, you know, really, really kind of do like a how are we feeling. You know, not a formal state of the program necessarily, but, you know, where are emotions at? Are we happy with, you know, where things are? Um, You know, all that jazz. So, yeah, I mean, year six. It is kind of hard to believe, isn't it? This would be the sixth year. Like I remember when Bronco mm-hmm. was hired, like it was yesterday. Yeah. We actually started covering. What well, we started the podcast summer of twenty eighteen.
2: Yeah, so, so we're, we're so actually we
0: actually started covering their third season. So this would be the
2: fourth. This is season four. <laughs> we're in the fourth yeah. season. Crazy.
0: I know. It is really is. Um, it was actually yeah, just so
2: our it was our Twitter birthday a couple weeks ago.
0: Oh no way! Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go on.
0: (laughs) Oh, no worries. I hadn't said anything meaningful anyway. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, I think we're starting to settle in to what, um, you know, Virginia football is. Mm -hmm. And under Bronco Mendenhall, you know, he kind of said it the whole time. He said it from day one. You know, it's going to be will before skill. It's going to be, you know, physical. They're going to run spread offense and on defense they're going to try to be really physical and you know that's the name of the game and you know as simple as it sounds he wants to score a lot of points and score more points than the defense allows mm-hmm. uh you know he really has his simple principles and you know at this point of the broncom hall era you know it, the book's a little dated now because it's about his time at byu but if anyone has not read his book running into the wind or the mm-hmm. book about him i strongly encourage it because it really does give great insight into how he's ran BYU and how he's currently running Virginia. Yeah. Um, But yeah, you know, I feel like we kind of are where we are. Um, You know, we're, I think, a team that can compete in the Coastal every couple of years. You know, we won the Coastal when we had really a transcendent talent in Bryce Perkins. Mm -hmm. I think we're a team that, you know, with a quarterback like Brennan Armstrong who I think is solid and it's going to surprise people this year by how much he improves. You know, I don't think he's Bryce Perkins, at least not this year. So, you know, I think even without that really, really kind of program transcending player, you know, this is a team that can win seven, eight games a year. And I think it really does that transcendent type player to mm-hmm. kind of, you know, get him over the hump to a little bit higher, but, you know, for a school without, you know, a huge football history, a school that, You know, admittedly, is kind of struggling right now to raise money to revamp its athletic facilities. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think he's doing a good job of getting the maximum amount out of what we have. You know, there's certainly times where I want it to be higher. And you know, last season, you know, there were several games that I think Virginia should have won, or maybe even just throw Virginia Tech in there, say, just please at least be competitive in that game. You know, Um, but I think. I think overall, I'm happy with where we are. You know, certainly there's room to be better, and I'd love there to be, I'd love for us to be better. But you know, I feel like we're kind of, you know, I th- you know we're going into year six. I kind of feel like we're we're roughly where we're going to be, right? You know, kind mm-hmm. of middle to top half every few years of the coastal division. Yeah. But and I, anyway, I'm curious what you think about
2: that. I mean, I feel really similarly. I feel like when you've got a coach like Bronco who is. Thought first of all, thoughtful, really well spoken, and seems like a generally nice guy. It makes it a lot easier to root for the team, right? Like when you've got, you know, it. Like if you've got a coach who you don't like, first of all, that's tough. And I, I think we're lucky, first of all, to have a coach like Bronco. Uh, second of all, when I think that I'm happy to know, kind of how the team is going to do every year. Like I know that each year. The team is going to be well coached. They're going to be, hopefully, really disciplined, and they're going to you know be physical and you know try to their best and 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 get it done. You know, like a, a Mike London team, you know, was a roller coaster of emotions every year because we had really good players, but the coaching decisions were weird, and you know the players weren't necessarily disciplined and. It was, it was just tough to – it was tough on the mind and soul uh, those seasons. But, I mean, under Bronco, it's like, well, you know, we, we might not win every game. However, we are going to be competitive or at least try to be competitive and hopefully not just lay down when there's a big challenge. And I know the last game of last season was tough on that, the Tech game. But, you know, the rest of the games I felt like – you know, even if there were mistakes or, you know, we didn't play. And, you know, there's injuries and COVID's a weird season anyway. So I'm not holding that against anyone really. But I think that it's nice to know that, you know, the team did pretty well considering we played three different quarterbacks in the first five games or something because uh, yeah. of injuries. So, I, I, I mean, I applaud the coaching staff for having them ready as well as the players for – you know, being mentally prepared to go through that roller coaster of a, of a season.
0: Yeah, I mean, like you said about last year, too, you know, credit where credit is due. This team, you know, won the first game against Duke, lost the second game against Clemson, which went to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then that third game of the season, listen, they weren't going to beat NC State, Brennan Armstrong, and the team didn't look good. Um, but Brennan Armstrong goes out with an injury. And yeah. then the team, you know, falls to one and two. The next week they lose one and three. And Brennan Armstrong comes back against Miami, looks okay, but they lose that game to a ranked Miami team. One in four. So what happens? Virginia wins four of its next five, and really, if that Florida State game doesn't get canceled, I think Virginia wins that game too, and maybe mm-hmm. we're talking about a five-game win streak going into the Virginia Tech game. Um, so yeah, you know, like you said, you know, last year was a year weird year. Um, there's certainly things you can learn about it and things you can take away, but you know, it's probably not the definitive account that you know so many other full you know uncovid impaired seasons really are mm-hmm. so but you know like you said i mean i've actually over the past um, couple weeks i've been looking listening to a lot of the locker room access podcasts they mm-hmm. do with former players um and you know some of them are just amazing you know they have guys like um you know, I listened to the Jackson Mateo one recently. I listened mm-hmm. to the Canaan Severo one fairly recently. And, you know, just like the things that were going on in the London years, it's just crazy. Yeah. You know, like, the, it wasn't well coached. The team wasn't, that is. You know, the program was not well managed. And I think, like you said, that's one of the strengths of Bronco. Mm-hmm. I mean, looking at this roster right now, you know, this is as deep of a roster as I can remember in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Now, there might not be kind of top, top, starline, Star talent at some positions, but you know, from top to bottom, you feel pretty good about the two deep in basically every position. Yeah. And you know, we're seeing an identity that's built across the roster. Um, you know, a physicality of offense. You know, score a lot of points. I think the defense has taken a bit of a step back, although that may be changing. Um, you know, with the scheme change we may be seeing this season. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean, it's like you said, it's predictable. And there's what, you know, what's they're saying? Less drama, more work. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's not much drama here. And yeah. it's honestly very relieving. You know, you don't just wake up one day and it's like, oh, no, what just happened? <laughs> or, you know, I was showing one of my friends the Louisiana Tech game mm-hmm. the other day from the oh, Mike London years. It was, yeah. Khalid, get off the field. Yeah. yeah. Like, we don't have that anymore. And that, at least in itself, is relieving to look like a well-managed program
2: yeah yeah it's nice and you know I'll I'll admit I I was when talking about last season I was trying to remember who we played in our bowl game and I remembered we didn't play it. we didn't have a bowl game so I'm I'm kind of already you know in the mindset that we'll make a bowl game every year you know it might not be the best one we might be in the military bowl but last year you know with COVID and and players and and you know losing to getting crushed to Tech and having a losing record at the end of the season uh, was tough. But, you know, I'm under the mindset that we can get to a bowl game every year. And I'm OK with that. And I'm OK with, you know, whatever comes from it. And I think that this team will be successful in, in, in the best way that they can. And so that that's really, as I said earlier, comforting and, and not as stressful as it used to be.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I remember under the London years, you know, looking at the schedule and it's like, all right, well, like, we should be William and Mary, right. you know. We should be, you know, whoever the cupcake. Is. I mean, I would say that about Louisiana Tech and Ball mm-hmm. State. We've lost to both of those teams under yep. Mike London. But you look at the schedule and like beyond the FCS games, it was really, really hard to figure out what games this team was going to win. Yeah, and like you said, it wasn't for lack of talent. You know, the talent was there, and I think the difference is that really, you know, not to say Mike London and those that coaching staff was like looking at recruiting rankings when they were doing their recruiting, mm-hmm. but you know, you get the feeling they were kind of chasing stars that yeah. hey, this guy's a big name player in the seven five seven, so we gotta sign him. It doesn't matter that he's a wide receiver and we already have thirteen wide receivers on the roster, you know? Mm-hmm. And with Bronco it's it's very deliberate. It's we need to have at least this number of players at this many positions, you know, I don't really care where you're from, you know, what people say about you, like We're taking you because you're a good kid, you fit the school, and we think you're going to work really hard. Mm -hmm. You know, like Bronco doesn't really care about what any of the outside noise is, which is refreshing. And, you know, it does away with a lot of the drama that I think we saw under the London years.
2: I also think one of the signs of a really healthy program is how good your offensive line is. And because that can really determine a lot about your team, is how good your O line is. Under London, especially in the later years, you know, our, lone land, our land was trash. Like we didn't have a good offensive line, and that carried into Broncos' first couple of years too. You know, just you know leftovers from, from the previous coaching staff. But you know, you can see Bronco has improved the offensive line every year. And honestly, it's probably the strongest position. And we'll, we'll do positions later. But I think it's the, the strongest, if not one of the strongest positions. Position groups in this on this roster for this upcoming season. I know it was last season, but like this season especially.
0: Yeah, and you know what that is? It's, it's roster management. You yeah. know, it's the idea. Of, it's just like we were saying earlier. It's the idea. Oh, you know, Mike London loved flash. He loved you know getting the big main player. Well, you know, there's not many of those guys on the offensive line. So mm-hmm. I think when Bronco came here, there weren't enough players in spring practice to fill out a two d Yeah, you know, think about that. And now. Like you said, that was a big impediment, Um, you know, early in Broncos tenure, uh, you know, the Kurt Benkert years, Mm -hmm. especially. And I mean, heck, even Bryce Perkins never really played behind a really, really good offensive line. And, you know, I think the line was solid last year. Hopefully it'll take another step forward this coming year. But it's all about recruiting players. You know, it it sounds simple, but it's like you have to have principles and how you want to build a program and you have to say you know, Hey, there might be this really flashy wide receiver that maybe we can target, but Hey, you know, we need two more scholarship offensive linemen in this class. You know, it's roster management. Mm-hmm. It's it's not complicated, but it's so important to do well. And it's something that is really a strength of Bronco. And, you know, I think, I think what I've heard people say, and I agree with it, is you know, if Bronco, let's say something happens and Bronco just steps away randomly, um, Bronco is going to lead the program in great shape. Mm-hmm. Not to say it's going to be the winningest program in the ACC. Not to say, you know, it's going to be like this juggernaut. But whoever comes in and takes over the program is going to have, a you know, a great opportunity to succeed because the roster is well-managed. The coaching staff is all balled in. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another thing with the London years is, you know, the coaching staff, you know, London wasn't really picking all of his assistant coaches. So, right. You know, you had coaches that didn't get along. You had, different agendas no one really knew who was in charge you know this coaching staff is so cohesive and you know they're friendly but it's also very clear you know bronco's in charge he's the one calling the shots right um and there's no debate about that there's no hard feelings there's no pin of anger that at least we're aware of um it's just an incredibly well managed program and you know there's things that need to be done still like you know we alluded to the um Football facility, I think is something that absolutely needs to get done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of upgrading the to or from the MQ center, whichever path they choose. Um, so there's still things like that that need to get done. And, you know, that's part of running a program, just like any other business has things that, you know, need to get checked off the list. But, mm-hmm. um, I think it's an incredibly, the program is in incredibly great shape, which is something we couldn't say a couple of years ago.
2: No, exactly. It's, it's, it's healthy. And I think that you, you know, you're talking about, what if Bronco leaves? And, you know, I think at this point, if they hired someone from inside the the circle of Bronco's circle, like coaching staff, you know, whether it's one of his assistants or, or someone else, I think that, you know, the transition's honestly pretty seamless. And I don't think there'd be much change. I mean, Bronco's a great coach, but he's a businessman. Like, he's a businessman. So he runs the program. And you And you've talked about this a lot. He's talked about this a lot. He runs the program like a business. So when you've got when you can just look at the numbers and say, well we need, you know, two of this and three of that and, and this is how we're going to run things. You know, he's a he's a numbers guy at the end of the day. So it's it's interesting that he can he's turned this around so much that on you might be able to pick and plug. Uh, you you'd have a great choice of people to pick and plug from from the coaching staff if he were to step away
0: yeah i mean for sure and you know i don't think Bron. i mean bronco's flat out said he's not he's not going to coach until he can't coach anymore like Mm -hmm. at some point he's going to step away because you know he's just not i mean he said it. he's not as passionate about college football as he once was Mm -hmm. um for a number of reasons but yeah i mean he's a unique guy and i mean i think it's always interesting too you know sometimes he'll do interviews with um you know, broader national media or, you know, at the very least people who don't cover the UVA beat from day to day. Mm-hmm. And I always think it's interesting to listen to those media people. They're like, yeah, like, I've never heard a football coach talk like this. Yeah. You know, I've never heard, you know, someone explain their philosophy in the way that he does because it is incredibly, incredibly unique. And, I mean, to many people, he's an acquired taste. You know, I can mm-hmm. tell you for one, there's, I know several people who are like, what is this guy talking about? And then that first game of the season, they, mm-hmm. his first game ever at UVA, they come out and get blown out by Richmond. And they're yeah. like, "What? What is this guy doing?" Like, Mike London wasn't a saint by any means, but he wasn't losing to Richmond. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it was an acquired taste for a lot of fans, and it was acquired taste for many players. Um, you know, there were a number of transfers uh, in the first couple of years. It was, you know, the his program kind of got stamped into the you know, the culture, however you want to say it, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, he's not for everyone, but I think he's a very strong fit for UVA. I know they're aligned so well, um, you know, with the broader university and how they want to, you know, represent the program. And, you know, part of it's really branding the school as well. Um, So there's so much alignment there, you know, that isn't everything. Obviously they still want to win football games too. And, you know, I think that's really going to be, the differentiator, you know, over the next, co- you know, call it four or five years, assuming Bronco is still here, is, you know, if fr- Bronco can keep running the program like he's been doing, and they start winning eight, nine, ten games a year, kind of reach the ceiling that Virginia Tech did in the early 2000s. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's a, it'd be difficult to do, but I think that type of thing is, you know, at least remotely within reach. Uh, I think that's really what's going to define, you know, was this a successful. You know, stint with Bronco as the head coach, or was this like a really, really successful stint? Yeah. Um, and, you know, we can talk about all the, you know, non football things all we want. At some point, football does matter. Yeah. And I think, you know, at least where Bronco has them right now, call it seven, eight wins a year, I think is very good. I'm eager to see if they can take, you know, that next step. And again, I'm not, I'm not being unrealistic saying Clemson level, but, you know, if they could get ranked in, you know, 15 to 25 range consistently, I mean, I think that'd be amazing. So I just, anyway, that's kind of the next thing I really want to see in the evolution of the program.
2: I just want to be mentioned in the conversation for the twelve-team playoff. That's all I want. If we can get there on a yearly basis, that's what I would like. Um, Rob, here's a hypothetical for you. So you, we're talking about the, the, the football mattering, right? So if if Bronco stays, you know, winning six or seven games a year, making a bowl game. Winning sometimes is that enough, or are are UVA fans going to get tired of that pretty quickly? I want to hear your opinion on that.
0: Honestly, I think it might be enough, you know. And I think part of that is just because the program has been starved for so long, you know. Welsh, you know, Welsh had there were some really great teams under Welsh, um, but you know, call it the later nineties, you know, the program kind of. Took a step back a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. And then Al Grow comes in, and Al Grow, you know, has all these, you know, expectations. We're going to compete for championships, blah, blah, blah. And they recruited at that level for a few classes. And, you know, it really came down, I think it was Oh four against Florida State. I mean, it was a top 10 matchup, and we just got crushed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ever since then, the program really hasn't recovered. I mean, we've never been near, I think we we're ranked like sixth or seventh at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, the program has never come near that. Um, so, you know, you're talking about a span of over 15 years where, you know, for a large portion of that span, we were barely making bowl games or if, you know, we weren't always making bowl games. Um, so I think if we get to that level, I think people are going to be pretty happy. And, you know, this there's some really diehard fans and the UVA, you know, alumni base or, you know, fan circle, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're one of them. But there's also a lot of people that really just don't place a huge emphasis on you know how successful UDA is at football, yeah. um and I, I can tell you I know many of them as you do as well, mm-hmm. so you know, I think if Virginia was to reach that level, it would probably be enough to the majority of the fan base. you know, if you get to that level and you keep winning, and then the question becomes you know, what does it take to get over the top? You know that's a different type of question. That's a question where you know, are you do you have a legitimate chance at winning a national championship? That's the question. You know Georgia faced a couple of years ago when they mm-hmm. let go of Mark Rick. Yeah. Um, I think we'd be privileged to even have that type of discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for now, you know as long as there is at least a straight line trajectory, if not a slightly upward trajectory, I think people are gonna be pretty happy with you know the way the program is right now. But yeah. what do you
2: think? No, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think that if if Bronco can do six or seven wins a year, Get to those bowl games, I think it's going to keep the fan base really happy for a long time. I know that, you know, the the king sport right now at UVA is basketball, and I think it's going to be like that for the foreseeable future. You know, even when Tony came in for Leto, you know, what was it 12 years ago at this point? You know, that's that seems so long ago based on how, how much the basketball team and culture has changed around the basketball team. You can think back to right when Tony started and you know he, he gets a he makes it to the tournament in I think his 3rd year as coach and that was you know huge right that was massive making it to the NCAA tournament and then next year he doesn't make it and of course the year after that we win the ACC championship and I think the rest is history from there so the the rise to the top for basketball was so fast And so, like, at this point, we're talking about, you know, every year before the season, we're talking about, oh, can we win a national championship this year? How good's the team going to be? And for football, it's more like, oh, you know, we look at each game. I know the schedules are different. You know, there's so many more games in basketball. And it's just it's hard to, you know, judge, like, making the tournament or making a bowl game. But I, I think that I think that fans. Would be happy with you know a seven win team every year. I think I would be happy for a long time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean that's literally what happened in twenty eighteen. You know, the team goes seven and five. They lose the last two games to Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech, which mm-hmm. is disappointing. But then they go to the bowl game and they get that eighth win, and people were thrilled. You know, we hadn't had an eight win season since Mike London's second year,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: and there were so many bad years in between that. I mean, yeah. really, really bad years. So. I get that feeling. You know, the hope is that, you know, that becomes the floor of the program. Yeah. You know, the hope is that, you know, a good season might be nine or ten wins in the floor. A bad season might be six or seven. Um, and, you know, I, I keep bringing up Virginia Tech and, you know, not to <laughs> rub salt in the wound, but that's yeah. really what Virginia Tech was. You know, call it oh two oh three up until really call it 2010 or so. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's hard to get that level. And, you know, Virginia – probably have to recruit a little bit better than they are doing right now to reach that level. I think the recruiting right now is good enough to kind of be in the range that we're talking about, but mm-hmm. if they really wanted to kind of, you know, be on the cusp of that double digit win range, there might, you might have to recruit a little better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's a realistic ceiling and I think that's what they should strive for. I think seven wins a year is great. You know, I think it's realistic. Um, you know, a lot has to go right, but I think it's realistic to say Virginia can get higher. Yeah. Um, but you know, like like we just said, you know, it's it's a pretty privileged conversation to be in that territory and then say, oh, well, now what? And basketball. Right. I mean, basketball is a fundamentally different sport. You know. Yeah. It's it's a lie. You know, not to downplay what Tony Bennett has done because it's incredible, but less things have to go right to turn around a basketball program the way he has done. Oh, for sure. than have to go right to turn around a football program. Um, it's just a fundamentally different sport, more players, less competitive balance, um, you know, is fundamentally different. So mm. I think what they've done to date um, Bronco and his staff has been very good. Um, I think there's room, you know, like you said, there's room to get better. Um, but I don't think anyone's kind of like shaking their heads like, I feel like, you know, this wasn't a good hire or anything like that.
2: All right, here's a hypothetical for you. So we're talking a lot about Tech, and I think we're overthinking this. I think that if Bronco is able to beat Tech, you know, most years, I think that would satisfy most people, to be honest. And, like, even, like, here's a hypothetical for you. So if every other year we don't make a bowl game, but we always beat Tech, would you take that and be happy with the coaching staff?
0: Personally, I feel like the floor has got to be a bowl game. You know, okay. I mean, more teams go to a bowl now than don't go to a bowl. So, mm-hmm. I think mean, the floor has got to be a bowl game. But, yeah, I mean, I think there's a big difference between a six or seven win season that includes a win over a tech mm-hmm. and a six or seven win season that doesn't. Yep. You know, I think that that game, and, you know, Broncos realized this, and I think the fan base realizes this, is that that game does matter more. It absolutely matters more. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's added significance. I think if you get that win without a bowl game, it's, you know, it doesn't have the same effect um, yeah. on necessarily, you know, the upward trajectory of the program. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I, I'm glad you brought that up because that is a measuring stick where, mm-hmm. you know, we still want more, you know, Bronco being one in five against tech. And, you know, some of those were close, and but <laughs> some of them really weren't close. Yeah. So I think that is a measuring stick and, um, you know, an area where there's certainly room to improve
2: yeah i agree i agree Rob, would you take
0: that if you could say five <sighs> five six wins but we beat tech
2: i think i would be satisfied for like five years i could take five years of that and then afterwards i think i would start to grumble a little bit because at that point yeah. if if we're beating tech every year it means tech sucks right so which which is great but it loses the luster over the time. Like like when we used to beat bat Tech basketball every year, you know? That was awesome, but not the same cuz they're not that good. So or they they didn't used to be that good. So so if we start to beat them every year, that's wonderful, but you're right, over time I would need the bowl game to step in. But I think I think give me 5 years of that, I think I'd be happy.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's a great way to say it too because if you want to like flip it a little bit that's kind of where tech's at yeah you know tech has been kind of like a six seven win team a year for the past decade now and mm-hmm. hey they beat uva pretty much every year but you know there's a lot of grumblings in Blacksburg yeah. about you know their coaching staff and mm-hmm. you know what their expectations are and like you said i think that's sustainable for a bit but not sustainable forever I right think eventually there has to be higher expectations um that are achieved yeah six, um, 16
2: 16 out of 17 isn't is great but you gotta have some success too so uh i'm talking about last last was it 16 out of 17 wins for tech against uh, UVA?
0: yeah that sounds right dude that sounds right
2: it's something like that anyway rob That's not pretty no <laughs> any any last words about football any last thoughts feelings you want to get out
0: no, not really. I mean, anyone who knows me knows that I'm a Bronco fan. Mm-hmm. I, I know he has his faults, um, but I like the guy. You know, yeah. I like the way he thinks. I think he's incredibly interesting to follow. And, you know, he's not hard to follow either. You know, <laughs> take what he says at face value because yeah. that's normally the way he says it. Exactly. Uh, so I'm a Bronco fan. Uh, you know, still eager, like I said, still eager to get a little higher mm-hmm. as far as, you know, win totals go. But I think. I think if Craig Littlepage, when he made the hire of Coach Mendenhall, if he saw where we are right now in 2021 versus where we were at the end of 2015, um, Mm -hmm. he'd be really happy with how things turned out. I think most people are as well.
2: Yeah, I I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, One last thing I want to mention, and this is not football related, but uh, for baseball, baseball draft for the MLB uh, has started, and um, I I think it's – over, but um, but uh, the, but we had six players taken in the first fifteen rounds, uh, in the first thirteen rounds. We had Andrew Abbott, Zach Geloff, Griff, Griff McGarry, Mike Vassell, Nick Kent, and Zach Messinger all taken. We also had several prospects taken, including uh, one of our, uh, a prospect from Pennsylvania taken eighth overall by the Rockies. So he's probably not coming to UVA uh he'll probably go straight to the MLB but i'm not sure he's decided officially yet but like he's going to make like 5 million bucks signing bonus so it'd be tough for him not to go anyway i just wanted to mention that so congrats to uh though all the UVA people drafted uh over the past couple days and Absolutely, um, man. any any other last words from you rob UVA sports related or not
0: obviously excited to start diving a little deeper into football over the coming weeks Mm -hmm. you know like you said we're not far away from uh what week one week zero you know heck really isn't that far away yeah um so yeah we'll we'll dive into that but um yeah enjoying kind of the downtime of summer and we'll we'll gear it back up here soon enough
2: yes sir and uh hopefully i'll be more more around to, to record but uh we'll we'll see what happens so anyway Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Guys and Ties Podcast. Appreciate everyone tuning in again. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Snapchat for any bonus content at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to give us a follow on Spotify and iTunes if you want to keep listening. And we will see y'all next time. Go Hoos.